worry is our word today. Now, even as we put it up, little emoji, I looked up what the worried emoji was, and it's that. A little frowny, a little concerned. And in this room this morning, there's people who've come in with worry. Or if you're not coming in with something that you're worried about today, I'm guessing something will pop up soon to worry about. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw a negative prophecy over you. But that's how life plays out. Things are going to arise, and we're going to face worry. So this morning for you, personally, are you worried about something? For you, it might be as real as you woke up just this last night. That feeling in your chest. You wake up and your mind's already been going while you've been sleeping. And instantly there's a flood of worry that fills you. You might be here this morning with some worry. And, and we all know that we feel worry, right? This isn't a made-up word. So if you're here this morning, let's engage a little bit with this thing that we're worried about. Again, don't just go, no, it's fine, it's good, it's, no, there's no problem, I'm good. Okay. We all face it. We're only human. And it's not always rational. Um, I needed to get more toilet paper one day. And I went to the superstore. Great prices. And I looked down this aisle, and there's just a, a wall of five million different kinds of toilet paper. Now, this isn't rational at all, but I sat there and I looked at this huge selection and I thought, I don't know what I bought last time. And then you start looking and you're like, I know I'm not getting one ply. No chance. But then there's like this pillow soft surface and with lotions and you just start looking at it Eventually, it's 20 minutes later, and I'm worried about buying the wrong toilet paper. And there's a certain amount of terror that I'll get home and look at the old package and go, yep, wasn't that one. Now I've got 50 rolls of this. I don't even know if I like this toilet paper. It's not rational. It doesn't make sense always. But toilet paper is that one area of my life where I'm never looking for a breakthrough. But we also worry about things. We also worry about things that really matter. We worry about family. If you got kids, you'll worry about your kids. You worry about your parents. You worry about your health, 
You worry about finances. You worry about your employment. You, you worry about friends. And the list could just keep rolling, right? There's lots of things that we can worry about. But this morning, our worries are going to encounter our God. So let's go to Scripture. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. You're going to hear that phrase many times. I'm just going to give you a bonus one right off the top. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So if you have your Bible, definitely worth underlining, highlighting, put a star beside it, print off a copy and put it on your fridge. Um, So when comedians talk about jokes, they talk about having a very lean joke, which means that there's no wasted words. There's no additional clutter around. And when we look at a scripture like this, what we find is that there's really no wasted words. There's no extra thing in there. What Paul actually wrote in his letter to the Philippians here is something that's like literally every, every word as value and worth and merit. So we're going to dive in, especially into verse 6, the first half of this, a lot this morning. We've been in a series on prayer. We're wrapping that series up this morning. But what I, I don't want to share is just like some theory on prayer, which may be helpful. But what, I'm, what I really want to share is actually my journey with this verse. This has been a verse that's really just been at the core of my prayer life and core of my thinking so much over the last about a year specifically. So I've read this verse before, and sometimes when you read Scripture, you're like, oh, that's a good verse. Yeah, you kind of forget about it, file it somewhere. But it was March 31st of 2019. I was teaching in Club J, and um, preparing a fabulous lesson made by Mitchell and Victoria, our amazing Club J directors. Also, if you heard the announcement for volunteering in Club J earlier today, and you thought, well, that's not for me, it very well is. If you had that strong of a reaction, it's definitely you. But I taught this amazing lesson, and this happened to be the memory verse 
but it was for the kids. You know, I was just teaching the kids. Kids, learn this memory verse. It will be so helpful to you. The next week, um, uh, I live in a condo building. We have a condo board. There's this big building kind of repair project, and I get, I'd already paid out some money for this project. So that next week, I get a letter saying, by the way, uh, you owe this many thousands of dollars, and then there's an additional one for this many thousands. We're into like five-figure numbers, just depending on where you're at. You might be like, well, that's not a big deal. I'd love to be better friends with you. But it was a significant amount for me. So very quickly, I go, well, I've got to change these plans. This is going to get delayed. I won't be able to do this until a later date. And you start rearranging things, but very quickly this pressure on my finances became very real. Worry crept in. And for me, it was that kind of worry where you're just driving and you're listening to the radio and all of a sudden you're like, frick, where's all this money going to come from? And then the irrational fear comes in where you're like, I'm going to be bankrupt. I'll be in my parents' basement. My life's over. Not rational, but that was my worry. Everything's just, it's, I'm toast. Wake up in the middle of the night, racing through your mind. So being the um, mighty man of God who works at a church, I just fully embraced the worry. Until it hit a point where I thought, Nothing is going to happen with this worry. And what pops to memory is the memory verse for the kids. Oh, but it applies to me as well. So I started to read through this and, and started to address worry by following what's laid out by Paul in these verses. There's a great pastor of C3 Church in San Diego named Jürgen Matesius, and he says, I never, ever uh, practice what I preach because I only preach what I've practiced. So that's, this is just my story with this verse, and I'm hoping in here something might be helpful for you. So, we're going to go through these kind of four main statements from verse 6. So here we go. First one says, don't worry about anything. I love good word selection in general, but I really, really love it in Scripture. Don't worry about anything. So many strong words, those absolute words. Things like anything and ever, uh, if you're married, those are always the key words for starting fights. You never do anything. What? I never do anything. But this verse gives us such a clear picture of how we should approach worry. 
First question. These aren't tricks. When should we worry? According to this. Never. What should we worry about? According to this. Nothing. So when should we worry? What should we worry about? Never and nothing ever related to worry. And these words echo the words of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the fields and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Listen to this. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Do you know how valuable to God you are? Do you know how much he cares for you? This verse, Jesus says, I, God cares for the birds. God dresses the flowers. How much more valuable? He didn't say birds were created in his image. He didn't say, I will make flowers to look like me. Jesus didn't come as a bird or a flower. He came like we are. God, take care of those people. But did you catch the one sentence in there? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? We know that worrying actually doesn't change anything, yet we get so wrapped up in it. So listen, we just went through this. When should we worry? What should we worry about? So just because we shouldn't worry ever, does that mean that there's nothing to worry about? Well, no, there's lots to worry about because we care about things. But here's, here's what's amazing. God knows that we worry. He starts verse 6 with, don't worry about anything because he knew that he was addressing a problem that we're all going to face. We all face worry. And it's easy to just jump ahead and go, no, I'm not worried. I just have lots of faith in God. And then we throw up a quick prayer and we go, well, God, no, I totally trust you. And then quietly over here, we're building a gigantic shrine to worry and fear. So over here, we're basically got some sort of little I'm a fake kind of faith of, oh, no, it's all good. God, I totally trust you. And then just a giant monolith of worry. God knows that we're going to worry, so he starts with addressing it. Let's bring it into the light. Yeah, I'm worried about it. 
Don't lie and say that you're not worried. But here's the thing. Things that are worth worrying about, about have to be worth praying about. If you're going to worry about it, don't stay at worry. Go to prayer. And that's where we find Paul's next encouragement. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This sentence has this beautiful contrast between worry and prayer. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And it's because these are literally opposites, worry and prayer. Worry focuses on the negative, right? Well, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then I'm going to be living in my parents' basement, and I'm going to be broke and bankrupt. And where prayer says, my God has got this. He's got a hope and a future for me. Both take faith in what you believe about the future. There's a guy named Jason Upton, and he says, it takes a lot of faith to fear. Right? Fear is just going, yeah, it's all going to go downhill, and I fully believe that. Well, what evidence? It's still faith. Where prayer says, my God is powerful, he's mighty, he's never lost a battle, he's not going to start now, he's never been anything less than faithful to me, he's not going to change. Worry is hopeless. Prayer is hopeful. Worry sees through eyes of fear. Prayer sees through eyes of faith. Worry changes nothing. Prayer changes everything. The very definition of prayer, the first time you hear the word in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 20. And it literally means to intervene, to interpose, or to pray. Last one, not very helpful in defining the actual word. But it's in this chapter that we find Abraham prays for a guy named Abimelech and his family and sees them all healed in a miraculous way. Now, what did Abraham do? Did he worry enough to cause healing to happen? No. Worry actually doesn't change everything, but it's the first time we read about the actual word prayer in Scripture, and then there's a miraculous shift that happens where an entire family is touched and healed. Prayer changes everything. And if, if worrying didn't change the situation for Abraham, do you think worry is going to change your situation here this morning? Do you? Prayer changes things. Worry changes nothing. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Prayer is inviting God into your story, into your situation, and asking Him to intervene. 
in my story, I had to remind myself to go to God in prayer every time worry arose. So it's 3 a.m., you pop awake with worry. I had to go, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I had to start praying because worrying doesn't do anything. Then at 3.15, I would wake up again, and I would do the same thing. And at 3.30 and 4.30, and later in the day when I was having lunch and worry popped up, I would have to say, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I would have to start praying. Now, here's the thing. Worry is going to keep popping up. I'm telling you about one financial worry that I had. I've had plenty since then, much bigger than that worry. Worry will keep popping up, and it's like that whack-a-mole game. So worry pops up, bam, hit it. Whack-a-worry. As it comes up, you hit it again. And you can go, well, I already dealt with this. Why is it popping up again? Because it matters to you. So then you pray because worry doesn't do anything. I had to train basically myself to go, don't worry about anything. I will not worry. I will instead pray. And that brings us to the next part of this verse. Tell God what you need. James 4.2 says, you do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. This is, it's unbelievably clear. Like you can go into all the Greek words. This is what it says in the Greek. Tell God what you need. Tell him what you need. When you're going into prayer, answer the question, what am I really asking God for? What am I really, really asking him Four, try not to leave it at a surface level as best you can. And I know that there's sometimes when the prayer comes out like a groan from the insider, all you can muster is a weak and a quiet help. I get that. But as much as you can, be specific in what you're asking for. So, for example, if you say, I'm worried about my kids. Okay, what are you worried about? Like, really? Really? What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about them biking around the neighborhood alone. Okay, so what are you really worried about? Keep digging through the worry until you get to maybe something like, I'm really fearful that they're going to get kidnapped and I'm going to be the worst parent that's ever lived. Okay, now we're, get, now we're getting to some core stuff that's actually really going to be your worry. And that you can apply this to any situation. What, like, what are you actually worried about? Get specific. Get to the root of what's really worrying you because that will bring so much clarity into how to pray. We can spend a lot of time like praying about the fruit on the tree where a few prayers directed at the root and we can transform the entire tree. So don't just go surface. Let's go a little bit deeper. 
So for me, um, in, in my story, it wasn't just about, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have enough money to pay for everything. For me, I ended up at a spot where I had to say, do I actually trust God that he's going to provide for me? Do I really? Which is a lot different than, hey, can I borrow 20 bucks? But that was the journey of just going, this worry exposed actually a lack of trust that I had in God. And it wasn't rational because he's been amazing. But we'll get to that. When you ask in prayer as well, the best way to always ask is according to the Word of God. The more that you've read your Bible, the more you know His character, His promises, the more clearly you can pray. That's why we've got these Bibles over here and we're reading through the New Testament this year. We want to raise the biblical literacy in our church because the more of the Word that you have in you, as Pastor Dan said earlier, the less the devil can go, well, God doesn't really love you. God's not going to provide for you. God's out to rip you off. You can go, well, literally, John 10.10 says that that's what you do, devil. What does my God do? He gives me life and life to the fullest. Thank you. It's my favorite verse, period, in the Bible. I apply it to everything in my life. And I go, is this life to the fullest? If it's not, I start praying. Anything below the standard of life to the fullest? That was Jesus' words. It's not my opinion. And I start praying for those areas. When you know his promises, you stand on them. Healing. Isaiah 53, 5. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus was whipped. That means we can be healed. And you can run a list, but I know that I can pray for healing because my God heals. I don't read like dozens of stories about Jesus healing people in the Bible and go, well, my God doesn't heal. No, he heals. And I pray. I don't go, God, if it's your will to heal. It always is. I don't get why sometimes people are instantly healed and some people are healed. I don't get any of that. But the promise is healing. The promise is life to the fullest. And that's how I'm going to pray every time. And I don't pray a wishy-washy prayer based on my experience. I pray according to the Word of God and His promises. He's never failed. He's not a liar. So I'd rather trust Him than my ideas. Provision, Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me, this is Paul writing, will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Wisdom, James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you find yourself in a spot at work where you're going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, pray and say, God, your promise is that you're going to give me wisdom. Um, my friend Catherine is in church today. Her, her husband Ryan's one of my one of my great friends, and he told me a story where he was in a meeting at uh, at work, some big issue, and he literally under the boardroom table just kind of stuck his hands out like this and said, "God, come on, we're going to need some wisdom," and quietly prayed, 
And then he literally shared an idea, and everyone's like, yeah, actually, that sounds like a really wise strategy. I didn't make it up. God moves, right? We believe, we believe he's real. We believe he's alive. We believe he's active. Then let's pray. Like pray and ask him, invite him in. Um, as a little side note here, uh, there's some things way beyond our control. And then there's things that we can also play a, a part in, right? If you're praying for a financial breakthrough, also try your best to make really good financial decisions. If, if you're praying for health um, in an area, try and live really healthy. Um, don't pray one way and live another way. That's, it doesn't make sense. Open every avenue of your life for God to move. Create as many opportunities. If you're praying and believing for a promise of God, direct your whole life in that direction. And it just creates even more momentum, more faith when you engage with the things that you can control. And that brings us to our last uh, point here. Thank him for all he's done. You guys know that Waymaker song that we've been singing here? Waymakers, miracle, yeah. Miracle worker, that's the second part there. Why is that song such a hot tune right now? Am I right? That's a hot tune? So why is it such a hot tune? Oh, it's catchy. <laughs> I think it's catchy too. But I think it's one of these songs that with four simple pictures, reminds us of who our God is. So, uh, way maker. Something's impossible, mountain in the way, God's like, boop, boop. there's a way. Where there's a wall, he puts a door. Or he gives you the wisdom to just go around the outside of the wall. Miracle worker. We have a God who brings the dead back to life. Jesus rose from the dead. There's nothing deader than dead. And he overcame it. Uh, third part, oh, promise keeper. That's a good one. Reminds you that he's faithful. Light in the darkness. Even when you can't see that next step, he gives you a next step. And we sing this song, and literally in the room you can just feel faith rise. And it's because we're reminding ourselves of who our God is, and it brings to mind all of the history that you have with God. You are a promise keeper. You are a miracle worker. And all of a sudden, all you can start to do is just say thank you to him in spite of your situation and your circumstance. Praise and worship begin to flow out of your heart. When worry comes up, we begin to thank God for what he's done in the past, and that reminds both us and our current worry about who our God is. You see it all through Scripture. A verse like Psalm 119.90, it says, Your faithfulness extends to every generation. 
every generation. So you can start going through, for me, I look at how God's been faithful to my parents, to my grandparents, to my great-grandparents who I never even met. Then you start going through other folks where you can read about the faithfulness. You end up in the book of Numbers, and there's whole lists of people who God's been faithful to for thousands and thousands of years. And it's funny, when you start just thanking God, you start thanking Him for all of those dad qualities, mostly. He was there. He showed up. He didn't let me down. All those kind of boring dad qualities that aren't really that hot for an altar call. Who wants to be more faithful? Yeah, that's good. But we begin to remember those things that, that they talk about him as the rock. Unshakable, that you can cling to at the most desperate times. We come back and we remember that. And praise begins to open up that avenue into the presence of God. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. All of a sudden, you begin to worship, and the presence of God fills the room, and all that worry just can't hang out there. They don't co-mingle. And as we begin to do that and we begin to remember, builds our faith for the present. Habakkuk 3.2 says, I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In the time of my deep need, or in, the time, in this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. You recall those stories and you begin to say, God, yeah. Do it again. As you've done it before, do it again in my life in this situation. So for me, as I began to remind myself of the faithfulness of God and as worry popped up, I would smash it down again and keep praying. I wasn't just going, I don't want to feel worry. No, I was actually going, God, I want to trust you more. For me, it was that trust issue. Do I trust him to provide? Do I trust him to be faithful as he's been in the past? And it was amazing how as I continuously battled worry, worry decreased and my faith in God steadily increased. And the long and short of this story, I called my condo association and said, listen, I'll make the next payment. And then they said, well, actually, you've already made that one payment, so it's like half of what you were originally told. And I was like, well, that's great. And that's when you like, you want to get off the phone really quickly before they can find anything else out. <laughs> but worry didn't change anything. I began to focus, pray, and say, God, move in this situation. There's nothing I could have done to change that kind of stuff. But God moved. And I know for me it was because I prayed, and it was because he's always been faithful, and he's not going to stop being faithful. Victoria, why don't you just come to the keys. Since that point... Um, my worry's been uh, with my dad, 
we've been going through. Journey of cancer. Worry has kept popping up. And I've had to remind myself over and over again, don't worry. Pray. The more it matters to you, pray more. And we need to learn how to pray because worries will continually come our way. And if we don't know how to pray, we'll constantly get overwhelmed and flooded with worry. So, Jersey, can you put the next slide up for me there? I just want to reread this verse. And I want to include verse 7 this time. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Now listen to this. Then you will experience God's peace. which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Who needs that kind of peace? It's not just a human peace, it's God's peace. And in the face of of health issues and financial worries and family chaos, you might not understand it, but a peace can flood your heart. And I love it. It says, His peace will guard your heart. That's that tension. That's that feeling that you get. Of, But it also said, it'll guard your mind as well. Those are those racing thoughts in the middle of the night when you can't shut your mind down. There's a peace. You you might not understand it. It's bigger. It's not human peace. It's God's peace. In the middle of a difficult situation, you walk through with peace. We've just looked at the gateway, and the gateway to that is prayer. So why don't you stand with me? And we don't just want to be hearers of the word, we'd like to be doers of the word.